We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Hey everyone, this is Mike Randall of the Action Network and Rotoviz. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Welcome to the special edition of Rotoviz Radio. In between the NFL Combine and the draft, we are previewing each of the eight NFL divisions, 32 teams, eight reporters, and eight separate podcasts. We're going to be covering team needs, free agency, draft rumors, basically everything between now and day one of the NFL draft. Today, to preview the NFC East, I'm going to be joined by Marcus Mosier, host of the Locked On Cowboys podcast, contributor at The Athletic, Bleacher Report, and Pro Football Weekly. He's all over the place and one of the most informed and insightful NFL people on social media. Please follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. But before we get to the guests, I want to remind you that listeners can get a 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to our premium NFL content and tools. And best of all, it supports the pod. Again, be sure to get your 30% discount for an NFL pass at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. And now let's get to the guest.
Please welcome to the show Marcus Mosier. Marcus Mosier is one of the best football, fantasy football, anything you need NFL experts on social media. You can follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. Marcus does a fantastic job. He is the host of Locked on Cowboys. He contributes to The Athletic. You can hear him on a variety of podcasts. And he has joined us today on the Rotoviz NFL Draft Preview to talk about the NFC East. Marcus, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Doing well, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Marcus, what we're going to do is go through each team in the NFC East in reverse order of how they finished last year. We'll break down a little bit of rumors, needs, free agency, and of course, talk about the draft. So we will start with a team near and dear to your heart, the Dallas Cowboys. They were 10-6 and last year, won the division, defeated the Seahawks in the first round of the playoffs before losing a close game to the Rams. They were 3-5 and at one point last year, and they ran off five consecutive wins. They beat Philadelphia. Philadelphia twice. They won at Atlanta and they beat New Orleans at home. Three consecutive winning seasons for the Cowboys and three NFC East titles in the last five years. What was the team's thought on last year? I would think it would be positive. And what are their expectations now for the 2019 season? Yeah, it's still weird when people say that the Cowboys were 10-6 and and won the division because the the whole season kind of feels like a blur. That first two months of the season were so rough. Uh, that I, I, I kind of always thought it was going to fall apart in the second half of the season, and it really didn't. Um, I think the Cowboys are really optimistic going into to 2019. They're returning almost every starter on the offense except Cole Beasley. They're getting uh, one of their team captains back in Travis Frederick. They're optimistic that Tyron, Hel- Tyron Smith and Zach Martin are healthy. Amari Cooper's coming into his second year of the team. I think I think they're very, very optimistic that they can win the division again and uh, be a, a contender in the NFC. Now, I'm a little bit more pessimistic about their chances, but I think they, they feel pretty good right now. And, of course, the two key pieces on the offense that are returning that we'll talk about, I mean, they acquired Mari Cooper, we'll get to him in a bit, is Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott. Certainly Ezekiel Elliott last year with all the the hoopla that went around with Todd Gurley, his season was sort of under the radar. I mean, if you look at what he did last year, he was first in the league in rushing yards. Uh, he was fifth in receptions. Ezekiel Elliott coming back, I would think he would have a very strong year. And Dak Prescott, very polarizing player in Dak Prescott. You're either in Camp Dak, he can lead this team to a Super Bowl or you're not. But really both played well there down the stretch as the team made a, a drive in the playoffs. Yeah, let's first start with Elliott. I, I think Elliott's going to have a pretty massive 2019 season for a couple of different reasons. He was able to produce pretty well last year without, you know, most of his offensive line being there. I, I mean, like I mentioned before, Tyron Smith had uh, the bad groin in the elbow and caused him to miss some time. Zach Martin missed the first uh, uh, few games of his career. Travis Frederick didn't play at all. They were switching in left guards throughout the season. Lyle Collins was kind of up and down. Uh, I think there's going to be a little bit more stability there on the offensive line, and that should only help uh, increase uh, Elliott's effectiveness and his efficiency on the Cowboys. The other thing is they really don't have a backup running back right now. Rod Smith is a free agent. The only other guy on the roster is Darius Jackson, who has been quite a disaster whenever he's played. So I fully expect a huge workload once again for Elliott. Uh, For Prescott, I'm in the camp that I believe that he can actually take this team to where they need to go. I I was a little bit uh, nervous about that at some times last year, but I think in the second half of the season, once you saw him with, you know, a decent set of receivers with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, uh, you saw how how effective he can be with his arm and his leg. Uh, I I believe that Prescott is the quarterback that's going to take the Cowboys to where they need to be. 
I agree with you. I think Prescott, if they let him run a little bit more, and of course they want to keep him healthy, when he has the weapons, he can be very, very good. And let's talk about those weapons. A lot of offseason moves here for the Cowboys at the receiving area. Cole Beasley left via free agency. Jason Witten has announced he has returned, getting out of the broadcasting booth there. And Randall Cobb has been signed. And this team's offense took off when Amari Cooper came over. You know, a lot of people were saying, oh, it was it wasn't worth a first-round pick. But listen, Cooper came over, and this team pretty much took off from that point forward. And I know also that you're very high on, on Michael Gallup. I heard you on the Roto Underworld podcast talk about him with Matt Kelly, one of those sort of breakout potential sophomore wide receivers. So talk about the receiving core here in Dallas and how you think it shapes up for 2019. Yeah, I think the Cowboys actually have a pretty good receiving core going into the season. Uh, we saw the impact of Amari Cooper last year. It, it, it was just night and day, the difference in offense with him on the field versus when they didn't have him. Uh, in the first seven weeks of the season, the Cowboys were 31st on third downs. Uh, and once he joined the team, suddenly they were the best team in the league on third downs. So you're, you're seeing his impact. The other thing that helps... Uh, with Amari Cooper on the field, as everybody else kind of gets slotted into the right roles. Uh, Michael Gallup was a little overmatched as a wide receiver, one in this offense for the first couple months of the season. But once Cooper got there, we saw Gallup turn into a totally different player as that kind of down-the-field seam stretcher. Uh, you know, we there was a couple plays throughout the season. I think I can think of five off of my head where Prescott and Gallup just missed big plays by a couple inches. I expect that to change uh, next year once they kind of have a little bit more of a rapport. Remember, Michael Gallup, is a, he's a junior college kid that transferred to Colorado State. Typically, those guys take a little bit of time to develop and to get comfortable in the NFL. I'm expecting a pretty big uh, leap from Gallup in year two. And then Randall Cobb. Uh, I don't think he's the same player as Cole Beasley. I think he is uh, a little bit bigger, but maybe not as twitchy, doesn't have the same quickness. Uh, but new offensive coordinator Kellen Moore has kind of said that they're going to change some of their routes from the slot. They're going to try to be a little bit more uh, explosive down the field. And I think that's where Cobb comes in handy. And it's worth noting behind those three receivers is Alan Hearns, uh, who's coming off of uh, a leg injury in the Seattle game. He provides uh, you know, solid depth as a wide receiver four. There's also Noah Brown, Tavon Austin, and Cedric Wilson, a guy they took in the sixth round last year, who they, can, they believe is going to be a, a big part of this offense this year. So keep an eye on some of those down-the-roster guys, especially Noah Brown and Cedric Wilson. It's amazing. The tight end position now, Gronkowski has retired, it is so thin. As much as Witten coming back, you know, you would expect not to have much. Can he be a valuable contributor? Is he pretty much going to be a blocker, red zone target? You know, you talked about Cooper, you know, certainly it was able to get open there, but wasn't primarily the go-to red zone target like Gallup is. I mean, could Witten come back and actually be, a, you know, a top 12, let's say, fantasy tight end this year? Yeah, it's funny that, well, first of all, it's funny that Witten came back because I don't think anybody was, anybody <laughs> right. was expecting it. Um, but the part of his game that decreased the most over the last couple of years in 2016, 2017 was actually his blocking. He, he just wasn't very good in that part of his game anymore. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys are bringing him back to be a full-time tight end. Where I do think they're going to use him is in the red zone, on third downs, third and five, third and six. Uh, I kind of think he's going to replace the Cole Beasley middle of the field threat, and Cobb is going to be a little bit more of your down the field spot, you know, receiver from the slot. Uh, so would it shock me if Witten catches fifty to sixty balls this year? No, uh, I'm not banking on it, but I, I do think he can be a valuable asset, even if it's a, a tight end too in fantasy. 
Let's turn our attention to the defense. Cowboys had a solid defense last year. They ranked seven overall in total yards per game allowed. They were fifth best, best against the rush and a little worse, 17 best against the pass. A lot of sort of uncertainty right now there. We're trying to get the free agent signed. So talk about the impact with the Dallas defense and how you think that's shaping up who's going to be back next year. Well, there's two ways to look at this defense right now. You can look at it as if uh, the only guy that they lost really in free agency was, or not even in free agency, is Randy Gregory, who was suspended indefinitely. Uh, there's still some talk that he may be able to come back for the regular season. But other than that, you're returning almost every single starter on defense. Uh, they added George Iloka, the safety from the Vikings last year, to compete with Jeff Heath. Um, they added Chris Covington, a defensive lineman from Houston. Uh, they, they got Kerry Hyder from Detroit, so they've added some more depth. Uh, it's it's a really young defense with Leighton Vander Esch and Jalen Smith. Um, they've got to find a, a three technique, whether it's in the draft or in free agency. But it, this still should be one of the better, you know, top ten defenses in the league, especially when you consider their coaching staff with Rod Marinelli and Chris Ashard, two of the better minds in all of football. Uh, on the same staff, I expect the Cowboys, to, no matter who is out there, because this is a story every year with the Cowboys, I expect them to be successful on defense. And then let's look at the draft. They have six total picks this year. The Cowboys, no first-round picks. They have a round two, a round three, two in round four, five, and a seven. So what are you hearing out of Dallas? What are they going to be targeting? I remember last year they took Leighton Vander Esch in the first round, got a lot of criticism. I sort of thought they should have went wide receiver, but he had a tremendous year for them. So can the Cowboys repeat that sort of magic and get some valuable pieces here in the draft? Well, here's the thing. The Cowboys aren't bummed that they don't have a first-round pick. They're pretty excited about Amari Cooper. So on draft day night, when the Cowboy fans are watching the draft, you can take solace in that you, you have one of the top, I think, 10 receivers in the league in Amari Cooper. So they'll be okay. Uh, at 58 and 90, they're two top picks. Uh, I think the goal is to find an interior rusher and a receiver. Uh, we, we, again, we talked about the receivers with Randall Cobb and Noah Brown and some of those other guys down the line. Randall Cobb's on a one-year deal. Alan Hearns is on a one-year deal. Noah Brown's getting near the end of his deal. I think the Cowboys would like to find a permanent solution uh, at the slot receiver, whether that's taking a Debo Samuel at 58 or maybe an Andy Isabella, uh, maybe in the second or third round. I, I think that they're going to explore some options there. I know they have interest in Samuel. Um, but again, I think defensive line early, wide receiver maybe in the third or fourth round. All right, great. Let's turn our attention here to the Eagles. Eagles last year went 9-7, and seven, also made the playoffs. They won at Chicago in the wild card game, lost a close 2016 game at the Saints. Super Bowl champions in 2017, tremendous success under head coach Doug Peterson, entering now his fourth season. So what do you expect from the Eagles this year? What's the feeling around, around Philadelphia making another run back to the Super Bowl? I assume that's the goal. Yeah, the Eagles are interesting because a lot of things went wrong for them last season that should have destroyed their season. You know, they, they started the year out uh, without Carson Wentz. Nick Foles came in, played okay. Uh, Wentz came back, played pretty well, and then he had, got hurt, and then they had to go back to Nick Foles. Um, and then in the secondary, they lost a bunch of players throughout the season. At one point, I knew I, they didn't have a single starter from the opening game of the season. I think that the Eagles are just one of these teams, no matter who's in, who's out, uh, they're, uh, they're one of the best organizations in football. They have one of the best coaching staffs in the league. I see them as a team that's going to compete in the NFC for a long, long time. They kind of remind me of the Steelers of the AFC, where they may not always be the best team in the conference, but they're always going to be around. They're always going to be competitive. Uh, I think the Eagles have put themselves in a position now 
to to potentially make it back to the Super Bowl. I would have to consider them one of the top four or five teams in the conference, uh, and I'm sure their fans are expecting big things this year. What's the feeling about Carson Wentz? So Wentz, of course, with the tremendous 2017, got injured. They win the Super Bowl with Foles. Last year, Wentz comes back, playing very well, 21 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, gets hurt, Foles comes back in again. That security blanket of Nick Foles is now gone. He's now in Jacksonville. So I would think there's some lingering questions about Wentz. Can he stay healthy? Of course, as long as they have strong quarterback play, they're going to be fine. But what's the feeling now? There's no Foles in the wings anymore. So a little more pressure on Carson Wentz. Yeah, I think you said it right. It's, there's a lot of pressure on Wentz. Not to live up to his draft status or anything like that because we know he's a good quarterback. It's now showing that he can be dependable and he can be reliable. Uh, so when they get to December, they know they can count on their star quarterback being there. Uh, I think Wentz is going to be fine. It seems like he's had some kind of fluky injuries over the last couple of years. Uh, but let's also not forget, they have a guy behind him who they really like in Nate Sudfeld. Uh, he's played a little bit in the NFL. He played a Week 17 game a couple of years ago. Uh, it's not like the cupboard is bare there, uh, but I think there is a drop-off between Sudfeld and uh, Nick Foles. But, you know, the season's going to rely on Carson Wentz. He's got to stay healthy, uh, and I expect him to. I, I, like I said, I think some of his, his injuries have been fluky. Um, I, I, he should be fine coming up for the 2019 season. Let's go to the backfield now. It seems like the Eagles are always rumored to be in the market for a running back, but they don't pull the trigger. There was a lot of stuff on social media about Tevin Coleman potentially going there. Uh, Deuce Staley was talking about him and seemed very supportive of him. He goes to San Francisco. Jay Ajayi still a free agent. He was productive when he was on the field, but of course the lingering issues with the knee. Their running back situation is not great right now. What do you think about the Eagles, I mean, Corey Clements, Wendell Smallwood, Josh Adams, Boston Scott, Daniel Pumphrey. What are you hearing? Or is it possible that there's a trade for like a Spencer Ware? Could they get Duke Johnson, Jordan Howard? Because, you know, obviously questions at the quarterback position, but the running back position is always an issue, even in today's NFL, where it seems to be sort of devalued to a certain extent. Look, I think Howie Roseman's playing this running back market perfectly. He's not going to overspend. He's not going to trade away valuable assets on guys or for guys that have expensive contracts. Uh, I think he's just kind of sniffing around to see what's out there. And I, my kind of gut tells me he, they're not going to make a move at running back until after the draft. They're going to see what falls to them. If a player like Josh Jacobs falls to them in the second round, I, I don't see how they can pass on that type. But uh, as of now, they have Clement, who I know they like a little bit. Uh, Josh Adams has played well when he's been in there. Um, I, they're not going to go into the season with Clement and Adams being their top two running backs. We know that. I think the Eagles are just kind of slow playing this, knowing that something is going to fall their way, whether that's a running back falling to them in the draft or maybe getting a jibe after the draft on a cheap contract, maybe getting a Jordan Howard who is you know, traded away for a sixth or seventh round pick. Uh, they're playing this backfield situation right right now. Looking at their receiving core, Nelson Aguilar, Alshon Jeffrey, and they bring back Deshaun Jackson, who of course was electric with Philadelphia, comes back here from Tampa Bay and signs. They have that vertical threat. So I would think that Jackson pretty much completes that receiving core. They wanted Mike Wallace, I think, to do some of that, but Jackson familiar with Philadelphia, and he seems very excited to join what I think is a, is a very solid, one of the top receiving cores in the NFL. 
Yeah, I would agree. I mean, between Alshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, and Nelson Aguilar, I think it's hard to make an argument that that's not one of the best trios in all of the league because they all can do different things, right? Alshon can be your red zone receiver, your third down guy. Deshaun can take the top off the defense, and Aguilar can play in the slot or on the outside. So uh, I think, again, I think Howie Roseman has done an excellent job building this wide receiver core. However, it would not surprise me at all if this team goes out and drafts a receiver in the top 100 because Aguilar is going to become a free agent here pretty soon. Uh, Deshaun Jackson has kind of struggled to stay, stay healthy as of late, and so has Alshon Jeffrey. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if, if they go out and grab, you know, maybe one of these guys that can play inside the slot and outside. Again, maybe a Debo Samuel. Uh, but as of right now on paper, one of the best trios in the league. Let's look at defensive side of the ball. Uh, they let Michael Bennett go, traded him to New England there, got a lot of cap relief, and Michael Bennett certainly had a strong season for them. They signed defensive tackle Malik Jackson to play alongside Fletcher Cox. So look at the defense there for Philadelphia. Always can get pressure there, but has to improve from last year, certainly with the questions, like we said, at quarterback and running back. So they're making some moves. Roseman is freeing up some cap space. What do you see here for the defense in, in 2019? It's still one of the best front fours in all football with Graham, Cox, Malik Jackson, Derek Barnett. They also brought back Vinnie Curry, uh, who had a lot of success there. There's Chris Long still on the roster. Uh, a couple guys that I still like a lot just to keep an eye on, Deshaun Hall, uh, who was cut by the Panthers. Josh Sweat is a guy they drafted in our on day three last year. A lot of depth on that, on that defensive line, but the questions for them really come at linebacker, right? They lost. Uh, Jordan Hicks to Arizona. They signed LJ Fort from Pittsburgh, who is really just a special teams linebacker. He's slotted to be their middle linebacker right now. Uh, Nigel Bradham's an okay player, but in the secondary, uh, they've got a lot of talent there, but a lot of those guys haven't been able to stay healthy. They brought back Ronald Darby, uh, who is rehabbing from a torn ACL. I don't expect him to be ready for the first six weeks of the season. Sidney Jones really hasn't been the same since his Achilles injury. Uh, they like Avante Maddox a lot, a guy they drafted last year. Uh, but if the secondary can stay healthy, it's talented enough, especially with that front four getting pressure, uh, for them to be a good defense. I don't expect them to be a top five or six defense, uh, but it would not surprise me if they finished in the side the top 12 this season. And with the draft, they have seven total picks. They have a first rounder. They have two second rounders, got one from the Ravens. Uh, they have seven total picks, two in the fourth, one in the fifth, one in the sixth. Like you said, Roseman is, is playing it very close to the vest here. He's freed up from cap some cap space. Just talk about what you think is going to be their target there, especially early on in the draft. Yeah, Howie Roseman's one of this uh, new school GMs, but he also has some old school ways about him. He wants to build up the trenches on both offense and defensive line. Could they use another tackle because Jason Peters is getting older, uh, signed a one-year deal? I think that's possible. Uh, could they continue to invest in the defensive line? I, I think that's possible as well, especially the interior uh, to back up Fletcher Cox from Lake Jackson. However, I think it's going to be linebacker. They've got to find somebody that can that can come in and can start right away, whether it's on the weak side or in the middle. Uh, there's really only three guys that it could probably be considered in the top 50 with Devin White, Devin Bush, and Mac Wilson. Considering some of the trade assets they have, I would not be surprised if they're really aggressive uh, targeting one of those three players in the draft. 
Okay, now we'll transition to the Washington Redskins. Seven and nine last year, third in the NFC East. So I, I think, Marcus, we start here. This is Jay Gruden's sixth season. I think there's a lot of pressure here with the money that Washington spends. Big market there. We're looking at his last three seasons. He's finished third each and every year. Eight, seven, and one, seven and nine, seven and nine. And this is the division where no one has sort of run away and, and, and hid there. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Jay Gruden to get things moving in the right direction even though there's a bunch of questions at key positions. Yeah, I think, I'm not sure this is a hot take or not, but I kind of think Jay Gruden's an underrated head coach. I mean, he's had to deal with a lot over the last couple of years between basically his offensive line falling to pieces, a bunch of different quarterbacks, uh, no real you know, threats at receiver, and yet the Redskins have been competitive over the last three years. Even if they haven't been great, they have been competitive. They, they've kind of stayed afloat in the NFC. Uh, I, but I think the time is now for them to strike. I, they've they've got to find a way to be successful this year. Or if, if Gruden has another, you know, sub eight win season, it wouldn't be that surprising if he's if he's out after the season. So uh, I, I look for the pressure to be on Gruden this off season or this this upcoming season. I agree. I think it can go either way here with Gruden. I think if they had a big year, people are going to sort of champion everything that he's been able to do. But if they go south and have a bad year, I agree. He could be on on the chopping block. Let's look at quarterback. Alex Smith, of course, the gruesome injury last year. He's rehabbing, had a ton of infections. So there's a lot of questions at quarterback. I've been looking on social media, seeing what's coming out. People are backing Colt McCoy. Are you buying that? Do you think they're going to move forward with him? What do you think sort of is the is the thought there in Washington, or, or are they going to end up moving a different direction? Is Colt McCoy like a folk hero that I somehow missed <laughs> exactly. the story about? Because every time I've watched him play in the NFL, I always think, Oh, now I see why he's a backup. Uh, that's it's never like oh, I think this guy should get extended playing time. I, I see why he makes sense as a backup, but uh, no, I, I think the plan going forward is for Case Keenum to, to take the job and at least handle it for the next year or so. But I mean, Mike, please explain to me this. I I, I kind of don't see the plan with with the Redskins here at quarterback. What are they trying to do? Are they trying to get to seven and nine, eight and eight, or is this a team that should be trying to tank to, to get a top four? It's very hard, Marcus. It's very hard. The Case Keenum signing to me reeks of the Josh McCown signing when the Jets brought him in. They're yeah. not going to publicly sell him, so they're going to try to sell Colt McCoy. If I hear one more time about how Colt McCoy throws a great ball in practice, I, I can't I can't <laughs> take it anymore. But it really, obviously, I think it's going to be Keenum, but it's interesting. They sign him, and they're not pushing him as the number one quarterback. They're sort of hinting at McCoy, yet we all sort of know it's going to end up being Keenum. Very interesting. Yeah, it's it's strange if nothing else. Um, the, the Colt McCoy hype kind of reminds me of the Kellen Moore hype in Dallas for about a year. Where yes. Everybody yes. says he was a great practice player, and then he gets in the game and he looks tiny and his arm is not very strong, and then he becomes an offensive coordinator a couple years later. I would not be surprised if the same thing happens. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Colt McCoy. 
So let's talk about their free agent signings here. They, they've done a lot of work with the Giants. Uh, Landon Collins comes in, six-year deal worth $84 million. They had a need at safety. Collins only 25, so he's coming in. Adrian Peterson gets re-signed to a two-year deal worth up to $8 million. Uh, that can include a guaranteed 1.5 signing bonus, so certainly they have that. I mean, with Darius Geis coming back off a torn ACL, which, by the way, Mark, is in the fantasy world, probably the player I'm most excited to see is Darius Geis, maybe because I have him in a dynasty league and I invested a lot in him, but certainly that's someone you think is going to take a step forward. And they brought in Dominique Rogers Cromartie, signed him to a one year deal, who was, who was with the Raiders last year for a little bit. So, talk about those free agent signings across the board. Washington, they love to spend, and they did it again. Yeah, let's start with Adrian Peterson because I feel like that's the most interesting signing of the group, even though they signed Landon Collins. Because what was the need to bring Peterson back for? I mean, Geis is supposed to be healthy. Uh, they have Chris Thompson, who is, you know, the excellent third down passing back. Uh, P. Ryan is on the roster. They have at least some guys behind them. Why did they need to feel like they had to bring back Adrian Peterson? We know he was okay last year, but isn't the goal to kind of continue to build up some of these younger players and get them more reps? I I feel like all Peterson is going to do is get in the way of guys breaking out. Am I wrong there? No, I don't think so. And gosh, I remember in the off season last year, or in training camp rather, we the, the book was that Geis couldn't be a receiver. Remember, people were saying he couldn't catch sure. the ball, and then we saw all those videos of him taking off and shredding uh, the team there in defense and practice. So uh, it, it, again, this is very similar. Pe- Keenum is to Peterson what Geis is to what they eventually want a quarterback, right? It, it's extremely. I mean, you mentioned receiving. Do you know who's a bad receiver? Adrian Peterson. So why are we bringing Adrian Peterson? We know he can't catch. We know he's not a great blocker. So why are they bringing Peterson back to to compete with Darius Geis? That, that makes no sense to me at all. That's that seems like you're throwing money away and you're you're throwing reps away at a you know position where you want those young guys to to get as many snaps as possible, especially while they're on a rookie contract. That's why it makes even less sense to me. Totally makes no sense. The Redskins spend money, and gosh, if you could ever funnel that in the right direction, they could actually be very efficient. But <laughs> let's look at the receiving core. You know, Paul Richardson came in last year, and the question was, could Richardson become the Tyreek Hill to Alex Smith that he had in Kansas City? What we saw was, no, that can't happen. I mean, he flashed moments here. But now, how effective is Richardson going to be in this offense? And Josh Dotson, are we waiting for him to fire, or is he just not going to fire? I would think that this is an area that the Redskins are going to try to really target in the draft. Man, their wide receiver core is a mess to me because it's a bunch of number twos, number three receivers that I I like kind of individually, but I don't like together. Uh, Let's start with Paul Richardson. Uh, That's a guy that I really liked a lot out of Seattle. I I, I praised the signing when Washington signed him because I thought he was a really good outside receiver who can make plays down the field. However, I always thought the fit was kind of clunky with Alex Smith, even though we saw him have success with Tyreek Hill. He's not really Tyreek Hill. He's, he's way more, he, I'm trying to think of a better comparison for him, but he, he's, he's more just uh, of a down-the-field stretcher rather than this elite athlete. So um, and with Case Keenum, I'm not sure the fit's any better. Josh Doxson, I think it's almost time to give up on the Josh Doxson experiment in Washington. It would not surprise me at all if Doxson has a better career somewhere else once he kind of gets away from this Redskins team. Maybe the expectations are a little lower. Uh, He becomes a wide receiver three or wide receiver four. That wouldn't surprise me. But as a number one X receiver in this offense, 
I, I'm not that excited about it. The guy that I am excited about in the offense, uh, Trey Quinn, a slot receiver that the Redskins took with their final pick in the draft in round seven last year uh, from SMU, a little bit bigger than your traditional slot receiver, but we saw him last year have some success when he played. So with Trey Quinn in the slot, Paul Richardson on the outside, and then maybe trying to find another outside receiver, I guess it's okay, but again, it doesn't really excite me. Yeah, very excited about Trey Quinn also. A Jamison Crowder, a lot of potential. This was a guy a couple years ago I remember touting on a podcast I thought could lead the league in receptions. He goes over to the Jets now. Trey Quinn, I think, could actually become that that slot receiver that they really needed. And, of course, should I even touch on tight end here with Jordan Reed? I mean, Jordan Reed stays healthy and stays on the field. He's usually very productive. But, you know, they have Vernon Davis. They have a couple guys there. What do you make of the tight end situation in Washington? Yeah, I really like Jordan Reed. It's just unfortunate he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Vernon Davis, whenever he has played, whenever he's been the starter, has actually done pretty well. Uh, just a guy that I'm going to throw out really quickly, Jeremy Sprinkle. Yep. Uh, I liked him coming a lot, uh, coming out of Arkansas quite a bit. Uh, I'm not sure he's ever going to be a, a fantasy asset, but I think he's a player that could be useful as a tight end, too, in real life. And I would think here, as we look to the draft, the Redskins have nine total picks. They got a first rounder, a second rounder, two thirds, two fifths, a sixth, and two sevenths. The defense has to be addressed. They're middle of the road. They were 15th against the run, 17th against the pass. Very middle of the road here for Washington. So I would think that's an area that they really want to sort of target and improve, along with wide receiver. Yeah, they're. Their defense should be a lot better because they have a lot of talent. Uh, Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, the two Alabama defensive linemen, I thought played really well last year when they were in the game. Uh, Tim Settle is a nose tackle they took from Virginia Tech last year. They're pretty solid on the, on the defensive line. It's everything else that's a little confusing to me. They lost Preston Smith in free agency. They don't really have a backup to him. They drafted Ryan Anderson, another Alabama guy, a couple years ago. Uh, I think they need to upgrade there. Uh, they lost Zach Brown in free agency. They have Mason Foster. I'm not that excited about it. They, uh, you know, they have Sean Dion Hamilton, again, another Alabama defender. Uh, we know they have Reuben Foster kind of waiting in the wings, just depending on what happens there. Um, I, I would think linebacker would need to be addressed pretty early for them. Uh, cornerback is still an issue. Josh Norman's play has slipped, you know, over the last couple seasons. Uh, they have. Landon Collins, they have Fabian Moreau, who they'll play in the slot. Dominique Rogers-Cromartie was pretty terrible last year for Oakland, and that's part of the reason why he retired. Uh, I don't expect him to do much. I, I would not bet on him making the team at all from what I saw last year. Uh, I, if I had to guess on where they're going to spend the picks, probably at linebacker, maybe a cornerback or two, and then addressing some of their receivers in the draft. All right, and final team here we'll, we'll wrap up with in the NFC East are the New York Giants, 5-11. and 11. And, of course, Marcus, the first question here is, what is the plan with General Manager Dave Gettleman? What are they trying to do? It seems like they're trying to not rebuild while rebuilding. Odell Beckham gets sent over to Cleveland. That's created a ton of buzz here in the tri-state area, and it looks like they're sticking with Eli Manning. I think it goes back, Marcus, to last year. The question was, do they take in a quarterback rich draft with Sam Darnold. Maybe they could have traded up to get Baker Mayfield, uh, Josh Rosen. I mean, so many different players available there. They chose to go with Saquon Barkley, who's a phenomenal running back, who's absolutely incredible. But the question is, was that the right move for their team? And what are the ripple effects from that decision? Uh, no, it was not the right move for the team. I think everybody with a half a brain knows it was not the right move for the team. Uh, Listen, I try to be really positive about 
teams' plans until after the draft because we, they have a lot of picks. We can kind of see how things are going to change when the draft comes. But the Giants is one of the teams where I do not understand the plan at all. It, it's the plan to try to replicate like the, the 2014 Dallas Cowboys where you have an aging quarterback and you just build around a strong run game. Maybe. But I don't think they have the defense to to do that. I mean, it, we'll get to them in a second. But it's maybe the worst defense in the league. Uh, they, I, I know they've got them lost to improve the offensive line. Well, I, that much is true. He spent a lot of picks, a lot of resources between signing Nate Solder, between trading for Kevin Zeitler. I know that he wanted to improve the offensive line, and to his credit, he's done that. However, he's done it kind of at the expense of every other position in the on the team. He lost arguably the best receiver in the league. Uh, he gave up his best pass rusher in Olivier Vernon. So at what cost did it did it cost for him to get the this offensive line? How effective is it really going to be? I don't know. It, I would think it, I would think they'd have to draft a quarterback at six overall or move up to get one because I don't know how many more chances they're going to get over the next couple of years. But it's hard to see the plan right now for the Giants. Marcus, I think that they were affected in a negative way by this whole benching of Eli Manning situation because the logical move would have been to bring in a quarterback and have him sit behind Eli. The problem is if you do that, if they trade up here and get a quarterback, somehow they get Kyler Murray, whatever – The problem is as soon as Eli doesn't perform, and historically during the regular season, Eli has been a very up-and-down quarterback. It's when you get to the playoffs and he's turned into the magic man here and he's been fantastic escaping from the Patriots' grasp and the Super Bowl, etc. So it's inevitable when you put that quarterback behind him that the fans are going to want him. I think a lot of this is just trying to avoid that, which is nuts. I think you're right. And I think think they've also given Eli some of the power to help choose his successor and I don't think I don't think that's a good idea either because I think Eli is going to want to pick somebody that he knows and he can work with rather than somebody that's competing with his job that's why I think a lot of people have been kind of connecting uh, the Giants to Daniel Jones the the quarterback who has worked with the Mannings for almost his whole life it's just a mess right now. I feel bad for the Giants fans because uh, there's not a lot of hope right now for this team their offensive line, like you said, is solid. They bring in Zeitler. They signed Nate Soldier last year, but it seems like it was a lot of money for him. Uh, Will Hernandez, certainly a solid offensive line. I think it's going to be better. The question is, can this offense be balanced? No Odell Beckham now. Listen, Golden Tate is a very solid receiver, but his he's a completely different skill, skill set from Odell Beckham. Do they think Sterling Shepard is going to step forward, or are they going to go back to really using Evan Ingram a lot more, who sort of took a step back last year as opposed to two years ago when he really had a fantastic rookie season? Well, the funny thing is that kind of Ingram, Shepard, and Tate kind of all occupy the same space, right? They all are at their best in the middle of the field, kind of from that slot role. So it's kind of hard to see how they're going to use all three of those players, which to me, from an outsider's perspective, kind of makes me think that one of those three isn't going to be there for the season. I think the one that you can kind of connect the dots is Sterling Shepard, who is going to be a free agent after the year. Is it possible that the Giants ship him off for you know a middle to late round pick, just trying to get anything from him right now? I think that's possible. But uh, you look at that wide receiver core, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Corey Coleman, Benny Fowler, Cody Lattimore. Does that really get you that excited? Because it certainly doesn't for me. 
No, definitely not. And then we look at the defense. You talked about it. They need to improve big time there. They struggled against the pass. They were 20th against the run. Vernon is gone. Vernon goes to Cleveland. They have a lot of picks that they can use here. They brought in Jabril Peppers, who's a star here from high school times in New Jersey, uh, but certainly he's not at Landon Collins level. So talk about the defense. They have a ton of picks. They have 12 picks here, two first rounders, a second, a third, two fourths. What do you think the move is? Is it going to be heavy defense or do you really expect a trade here moving up to maybe get a quarterback? Well, let's first talk about their defense before we get to the draft. Is Jabril Peppers the best player on this defense right now? I mean, because I think you can make the case that that's probably the case because, uh, I mean, you're looking at their, you know, their, their defensive line and you know, the best players, maybe Dalvin Tomlinson. Their linebackers are atrocious with Alex Ogletree and B.J. Goodson. Uh, their pass rushers of Kareem Martin and Lorenzo Carter are, man, it, it, it's, it's just not a very good defense. So I think you can make the case that they traded for their best defender uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, him and Janoris Jenkins, right? I mean, th- those are pretty much the two best defensive <laughs> players, yeah. Yeah, and Janoris, I mean, Janoris has really slipped over the last couple of years. So when you say that it's Peppers and Jenkins, you're not lying, but it just kind of shows you the lack of talent on this defense. But uh, you mentioned all the picks. Uh, I think they're going to throw one or two early picks on offense, maybe another outside receiver, maybe another offensive lineman. Uh, maybe they're going to try to find a right tackle. But I would expect this to be a very, very heavy uh, defensive draft. We talked about uh, Dave Gettleman in his past has always loaded up on defensive tackles. I remember him drafting uh, Vernon Butler and Starletta Lele in Carolina. Would not be surprised if he does something similar in, in New York uh, with pick six. It's, is it possible that Ed Oliver could be there? Sure. Maybe even a Quinn and Williams if he falls. Uh, you know, pick 17, there's going to be a lot of interesting pass rushers there with maybe a Brian Burns, uh, linebackers like Devin Bush. Uh, I think they can rebuild this defense with the, with the draft. However, even, with, even if they spent their top three or four picks in this draft, on the defensive side of the ball, it's, it's not a very good defense. Marcus, we thanks for a few minutes here. So we'll just do a wrap-up. We'll do sort of a rapid-fire, if you will, team-by-team, team, going back over them again, start with the Cowboys. I mean, certainly have all the pieces here. It looks like they'll have a, a couple good guys in, in the draft that they can add in here, but I would expect, assuming that they make the signings on defense, that the Cowboys would be challenging here for the NFC East title again. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are a solid to maybe above-average team. I, I, I don't think they're in the same category as like the Rams or the Saints. Uh, but they're the notch below it. I think they're going to be competitive, but I would not pick them to, to, to upset one of those teams next season. I would think that the Eagles would be their biggest competition. Certainly, there's a lot of questions, but there's a lot of free cap space with Roseman that he's done. They need to get a running back there. They need to make a couple moves. But I think if the Eagles, you know, certainly their last few years, they've shown that they can challenge here anyone in the NFC. So I would think the Eagles would be right there at the top with Dallas. Yeah, I think they're my pick to, to win the NFC East right now just because I love that organization. I love the coaching staff. They've got a ton of talent on both sides of the ball, especially in the offensive and defensive line. Uh, they're going to be just fine next year. We talked about Washington. This is sort of a, a key year for Jay Gruden. Is he somebody who's held everything together here by smoke and mirrors and they can sort of make a dark horse move, maybe win a couple games more and get to the top of this division and challenge, or is it going to go the other way? I would think the, the lightning rod team in this division is Washington. Yeah, I, unfortunately, I like Jay Gruden, but I think this is a team that's kind of destined for disaster. It would not surprise me at all if they end up 4-12 and or 5-11 and this season. 
And then with the Giants, let's look at it from a fantasy perspective. Where do you draft Saquon Barkley in your in your redraft leagues? And we would think that certainly it's going to be a down year and it could go really south. But from a fantasy perspective, maybe Barkley could you know really get fed so much that he's going to be the number one running back in fantasy. Yeah, I think there's some concerns that maybe he won't have the same touchdown potential as some of the other other running backs in the class. But again, look at that offense. Uh, look at the rest of the receivers. Look at the offensive line, which is actually surprisingly good. Uh, it would not surprise me at all if Saquon leads the league in touches by far this year. He's going to be my number one pick for uh, redraft leagues this year. Folks, Marcus Mosier, follow him on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. He's all over the place. The Athletic, Bleacher Report, Pro Football Weekly, hosts at Locked On Cowboys, writes for Oakland for the Raiders as well. The guy, as you can tell, can go through any team. Marcus, we can't thank you enough for a few minutes. You did a fantastic job previewing the NFC East. And everyone here, follow Marcus because he does great stuff throughout the year. Thanks, Mike. Anytime. That's going to do it for the Rotoviz Radio Special Edition NFL Division by Division Preview, the NFC East. I'm Mike Randall. You can follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for listening to the Special Edition NFC East Preview, a Rotoviz podcast. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire.
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.